you know, it is the last Sunday in July. We've been talking about freedom uh, the entire month. So I wanted to conclude with the picture of a free person. Okay, so how do you picture that? When you think somebody is free, what picture comes to your mind? And before I, we paint this picture and we reveal this picture, I want to share a story, and I've used this before, so just pretend this is the first time you've heard it, okay? But I love this illustration. There's a museum, two paintings painted by the same painter. The one on the left is a very serene scene. It's a lake, there are woods, it's a clear blue sky, fluffy white clouds, and the, the, the water on the lake is like glass. It's so smooth. And the title of that painting is Peace. And it looks like it. Right next to it, painted by the same painter, is another painting of the same setting. It's the same lake, same place, but this time there's a storm. And the water is white caps, and the wind is blowing, and the trees are bending, and the, the sky is dark with clouds, there's lightning, there's rain going this way, and it's just a mess. And it's entitled Real Peace. And you think, okay, well, what's the difference? I mean, what's uh, peace and real peace? What do you mean? You see, in both portraits, in the lower left-hand corner was a bird. And in the first one that was entitled Peace, the bird was there singing. But in the second one, in the storms, that was entitled Real Peace, the bird is in the corner singing. And you see what the painter wanted us to understand is, you know, peace is not about everything, your environment being just right. Mm. You see, we look at that and we say, well, of course the bird is singing. It's a beautiful day. It's great. But it's when the storms come, when everything is violent and chaos is raining and you're still singing, that's real peace. Right. And that's the peace that all of us want, isn't it? In fact, that's what we want in life. I mean, we seek after things. We seek after position. We seek after everything. But the inside is, a, is full of unrest, of anxiety, of doubt. And so we're thinking that something is going to give me this sense of peace and wellness. But you know what? It's when you get to the point you can sing in the storm that you experience real peace. I want us to go to John 19. Let's look at the picture of a free man. John 19. It's obvious who the free man is. This itinerant Jewish rabbi that is now standing before the Roman governor. He's already been beaten and scourged. And the governor is going to try one more time to set him free. And so we pick up John 19, verse 8, or verse 7. The Jews insisted, We have a law, and according to that law, he must die, because he claimed to be the Son of God. 
When Pilate heard this, he was even more afraid and went back inside the palace. Where do you come from? He asked Jesus. But Jesus gave him no answer. Do you refuse to speak to me? Pilate said. Don't you realize that I have the power either to free you or crucify you? Jesus answered, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. From then on, Pilate tried to set Jesus free, but the Jews kept shouting, If you let this man go, you are no friend of Caesar. Anyone who claims to be a king opposes Caesar. When Pilate heard this, he brought Jesus out and sat down in the judge's seat at a place known as the Stone Pavement, which in Aramaic is Gabbatha. It was the day of preparation of Passover week, about the sixth hour. Here is your king, Pilate said to the Jews, but they shouted, take him away, take him away, crucify him. Shall I crucify your king, Pilate asked. We have no king but Caesar, the chief priests answered. Finally, Pilate handed, them, handed him over to them to be crucified. Pilate was trying to free Jesus. But Pilate did not understand Jesus was already free. You see, Jesus knew how to sing in the middle of a storm. You see, Jesus knew that no matter what is going on, no matter the body is broken and bleeding right now, it's all going according to God's plan. That everything's going to work out. So let the storm rage, I will still sing. You have no power over me, because I am free indeed. He would make a promise earlier in his ministry. He says, if the Son sets you free, you, fellow humans, you will be free indeed. You can and will be able to sing in the middle of a storm. That's freedom. This is the picture of a free person. I'm all for political solutions, social solutions, and things like that, and we need to help, and we need to be involved, but let me tell you this. I'm not after social solutions, political solutions, just so everything can be nice here. I'm after it because it's part of the nature of God. I'm interested in justice, social justice, not so we can build a perfect society that glorifies man, because that's not going to happen. Nope. It never will. I am interested in it because justice is part of the nature of God. Because God cares about every single human being. Because God wants every single human being with him. That's why I care about justice. And that's why I want to be involved in that. Bottom line, there's a lot going on here, but this is true freedom. I want us to look at Jesus and see him, the picture of the freedom he exhibits, and let's apply it to ourselves, okay? Let's first of all talk about the most obvious freedom that he was exhibiting there. Pilate was working frantically to free him. What was he trying to free him from? Death. Jesus, this is bad. You're going to die. I can stop this. I can help you. You know, I can set you free. Jesus is already free. What can death do to him? And that's why he wasn't afraid. That's why he could sing in the middle of the storm. And that's the promise he brings to each one of us. That's the true freedom. That's the ability to sing no matter what. Look at Hebrews, the second chapter. 
Dwight stole my sermon today, so I'm just going to have to, you know, uh, see what I can do to, 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 to make it a little more creative. But you know what? Huh? Taser him. Yeah, there you go. There we go. Thanks, Dwight. You've given me an idea here. Hebrews and chapter 2. And after talking about the fact that Jesus is our older brother, let's look and see what it says in verse 14. We'll read this again. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason he had to be made like his brothers in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. He came to set us free. He shared in humanity, set us free from the fear of death, which has held people captive. Now, some people say, I'm not afraid to die. I'll guarantee you this. As that time approaches, there's going to be some doubts in their mind. Because something that haunts us is, is this as good as it gets? Is this really as good as this gets? Is there not anything more? Our whole faith is based on the historical fact of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. A resurrection that gave us a way to, for God to forgive all of our sins, but also was a statement that there is more than just this. That this creation is faulted, is broken, and there's a new creation coming. And somebody came back from the dead to say, there is more, so much more. What you think of here is not even to begin of what can happen. The ability to sing in a storm is a way of life on the other side. That sense of real peace. When I was 16, uh, I went away to school. Um, and I've said this before, it was not a reformatory thing. It was just a school my dad had gone to. And so it was in Virginia, so we decided, you know, several of us, let's take a, a weekend in Washington, D.C. Well, we went. The only problem was the hotel rooms weren't available till the next day. So I spent the night in the Washington, D.C. bus station. Have you ever slept in a phone booth? For those of you that are young, you don't even know what a phone booth is, all right? But, but for the old folks, I mean, you have people banging trying to get you out of the phone booth because they want to sleep in the phone booth. You're there, I'm 16 years old, and it's like, wow, this is going to, I mean, all sorts of different folks, a variety of folks are out there 2, 3 in the morning in the Washington, D.C. bus station. It is a wild happening. Now, you know what happened? is the next day, we were able to get our hotel rooms, we're gone. You know what? I didn't cry over leaving the Washington DC bus station. I was just passing through, man. It was just a bus station. Now it kept the wind and the rain out and stuff like that, but it's just a bus station. 
It's not a place of permanent abode. And so when the New Testament writers would say that we are foreigners, we're aliens, we are sojourners in this life, we are passing through. Now, I enjoyed some things about the bus station. It was kind of exciting. And my friends and I, we had a good time. There was some goodness in the bus station, but it wasn't home. We're just passing through. The fear of death is the, the thing that makes us, I've got to get all my stuff right now. I've got to, you know, get as much as I can. I've got to find a, a meaning in life and all that. And then when I die, then I'll just... Whatever will happen, Jesus came back from the dead and says, that's not the way it works. That's not the way it is. You're just passing through. Enjoy life. You have a day. Enjoy it. But don't put your anchor here. Don't put your emotions here. Don't put your values here. It's going to go. I pray about my death from time to time. I pray about that. Now, you think, well, that's a morbid thing. No, you're going to die. I'm going to die. The mortality rate in this group is 100%. Okay? It'll be your personal experience. It's going to happen. People spend their whole time trying to ignore it. You know what? When you're free to die, you're free to live. But if you live a life of, you know, I ought to get things right, I ought to change, I, you're living an almost life. You're living an ought life. I ought to do this. I ought to, why not do it now? Do you realize that we've been given a gift? We've been given a lot of gifts. But one gift in particular is called today. I've been given today. Now, you know what's great about today? is today I can make a commitment. If there's something that I'm saying I ought to do, today I can actually do it. I've, I've been given that gift. God is saying, here, I give it to you, do it. If I need to get reconciled with someone, as Daniel preached about last week, today, I've been given today. Today's the day I can call the person up. Today's the day I can see them in fellowship. Today's the day I can go have coffee, say, brother, sister, there's just been some stuff here. I just want to talk to you. Today I can do it. So that I'm not going, well, oh boy, let me, one day, maybe I will. You're living an almost life. You were created for so much more. And death is stalking. Death is coming. Sooner or later. It's coming. And there's nothing you or I can do about it. But you know what? For Jesus, he sung about it. I'm okay. Because he came back. He said, there is so much more. That's a free person. I pray about my own death. I pray not that it'll be, oh, please be painless. Please be. I just pray I'll be faithful. Yeah. I pray that I go burning in faith, hope, and love. I pray that I can, God, I just want to be close to you no matter how you take me. I don't want it to be a certain way because brothers and sisters for thousands of years, they didn't have their choice. Some were burned at a stake. Some were tortured to death. Some had that. So, you know, I'm no more special than anyone. I just want to be faithful. And I pray, God, let me do that now. And you know what it does? It frees me up to die. And as I'm free to die, I'm free to live. If I lose stuff here, I lost it. 
oh, I really want, wanted that to happen. It didn't happen. Oh, well. Let me try something else. You see, it's just I'm able to put it in perspective. He came to set us free from the fear of death. How are we doing in that? That's the picture of a free person. Something else. Look over in John, the 8th chapter. John 8. Not only did he set us free from things, he set us free to do things. And in particular, he set us free to serve. John 8. You know what? Why I did that before. I mean John 13. I just want to make sure Lewis knows his way around the electronic Bible. That's why I do this. He's really pretty quick, man. He gets there quicker than I do turning to it. So John 13, verse 1. It was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of this love. The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, that he had come from God and was returning to God. So, he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water in a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around them. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then, Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, a person who's had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that is why he said, not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. And then in verse 34 he will say, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Jesus was free to serve. Jesus called me to be free to serve. You think, well, what do you mean free to serve? No, no. He knew that he had come from God and he knew he was going to God. A lot of people don't know that. A lot of people don't know that. In fact, their whole life is in pursuit of getting respect. 
They want to get value. They want to get acknowledgement. They want to get the, the sense that I am important, I've done this. They don't know where they've come to, from and really where they're going. So they're, not, they're always trying to make that up on the fly, make their life up that way. Jesus knew where he'd come from. He'd come from God. He's going back to God. So he's free to serve. He has nothing to prove. He doesn't have to earn our respect even. Respect is not the thing he's after in this society. All oh, respect. I just need that respect. I need to do that. Why? Because you're not free. You're a slave to it. People dangle us like puppet strings. Only we think we're doing it to them. What they think of us just freaks us out. Jesus was free to care about people. He was free to meet needs no matter what they thought. He was free to make a difference. Let me talk to us here. What are the things we need as the body of Christ here? You know, if this is the body of Christ, what that means is there are needs. You know why? Because 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, and Romans 12 all talk about the body that we have different gifts. And that that's all for the good and building up of the body. That we meet one another's needs. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 12, it says that we can't say, we cannot say, I don't need you. See, if this is not a body, then there's really not, if it's just a social club, there's not really needs. If it's a body, there are needs. There are needs. If it's a living organism, there are needs. And that's how God describes it. And so he set us free to be able to meet one another's needs. What is it right now that you are doing that makes this group more like Christ? What do you do in your fellowship? What do you talk about? When you get with people, do you pray with them? What, do you share the things you're learning? Do you come up with ideas? Do you think about how, how can we make our children's ministry better? Not just so it's kind of, hey, isn't this wonderful, but so the next generation, as Wendy was talking about, the faith will be passed on. How do we do that? And even if you don't have answers, the fact that you're asking the questions shows that you want to meet a need. Are you free to serve? Or is it all about you? Life hadn't turned out your way. I challenge you to start singing in the storm. In Christ, you find a peace to do that, and that'll help you meet the needs. What is the need? There's a story, this happened, there was an, a man that went throughout the South back in the 40s and 50s preaching. His name was Marshall Keeble. It wasn't highly educated, but he would just go and preach. He was fearless. He just loved God so much, preached. They estimated he probably ended up, through all of his preaching and all that, baptizing about 50,000 people, you know, over 20, 30 years. And, I mean, he would have these big meetings, and he'd just do it. He was fearless. So, he was an older man, so this, this group of people, they, they built a new church building in this part of a town, this community, because they wanted to reach out to the town. And so, they were going to have Brother Keeble, you know, he's in his 80s, come and preach, you know, and it's going to be a great time. So they took him there, and they're showing him all the new buildings. Here's the new, you know, multiplex area, here's this, and here's that, and they're all talking, this group of men, they're taking them through. And then finally, they kind of noticed 
where's Brother Keeble? It's like, oh my gosh, he's 80-some years old. We, we lost him. Let's go find him. And they searched the whole building, could not find him. And so they went outside, and they're searching. And finally, someone saw way up the street. Is that? And they go up, and they found him. And while they were talking about building this building so that people would come in and stuff, Brother Keeble had been door knocking, wow. inviting people to come hear the gospel. See, he understood what the need was. The need was for that face-to-face, -face, that personal invitation. I get out there, not just build a building and think, well, people don't come, it's their fault. You know, it's like, it was all about what is the need? People need to know Christ. What I want to challenge all of us right now, what is a need that you can meet here? What is a need? Well, I don't know. Ask. Start talking it up. This body, you're part of it. It's Christ's body, but you're part of it. And you've been set free. You're free to serve. You're free to meet needs. You don't have to worry about, oh, how people think, or they're kind of whatever. You don't have to play that game. Because if the Son has set you free, you are free indeed. It doesn't matter if you've been out on the peripheral. It doesn't matter if you've been doing rotten spiritually. It doesn't, all of that. Today is a gift. Today, we get to start over. Amen. Today, we can be set free to just serve and give of our talents and our abilities to make it better for everyone. And God gets the glory. One other thing. In this picture of this free man, Jesus... Let's go over to Hebrews chapter 5. He freed us from the fear of death. That's why he was a free man. He wasn't afraid of that. He frees us to be able to serve. And that's why when we see him, the Lord, the Master, God the Almighty can take a towel and wash feet. But even more so, he's always there and said, I will be with you always. Why? To meet our needs. To get us to the new Jerusalem. But also, he was free to change. And gives us that freedom. Now, when you think of Jesus, he didn't change in nature. He's unchangeable nature. He's God. But he changed in form. God became flesh. And not only that, he became a baby and he grew in wisdom and stature and favor of God and favor of men. He had to grow up as a human being. He had to enter through certain stages. There was some changing that had to be done even though he didn't change in nature. He changed in form. And it was just as challenging as any change you and I go through. Ephesians chapter 5. I'm sorry, Hebrews chapter 5. Verse 7, during the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Although he was a son, he learned obedience from what he suffered and once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him and was designated by God to be a high priest in the order of Melchizedek. Do you ever picture Jesus learning anything? 
How in the world does Jesus learn? I mean, he's God. How does... No. He put himself in a position where he would learn this is what it's like for human beings to obey. So how am I going to do that? I am going to suffer. And not only on the cross, suffer throughout the rejection, the doubts, the character assassinations, on and on and on, the deprivations. Whatever he did, through the sufferings, he learned obedience. He changed, and he gives us the freedom to do that. What can you do to a person that doesn't matter what happens to them? They change. They adapt. They overcome. Guess what? They are truly free. The people with whom suffering stops, puts them in their place, causes them to fall apart, all of that, they're enslaved. They're enslaved to the ways of this world, to hopelessness, to doubt. They will never sing in a storm. They've just got to pray that it's all nice and this. Please, life, just be this way so I can sing. It's the person that no matter how bad it gets, they sing. That person is truly free. That's who Jesus was. I don't like suffering. I don't like hardship. I don't think I've ever woken up, turned over to my wife first thing in the morning and go, man, I hope we suffer today, baby. I'm, I'm, I'm in the mood, man. Let's do it. And if it's not hard enough, let's crank it up and make it harder. All right? I've never done that to her. And you know what? Pretty good bet I'm never going to do that either. But there is suffering in this world. Yeah. People often pray, well, God, I just don't want to go through this. I don't, why is this happening? What's going on? You know what? This is a fallen world. It's going to happen. I don't like disease. It's going to happen. I don't like crime. It's going to happen. I don't like the mental stress of, you know, being, trying to get things done and all that. It's going to happen. Suffering will come in many forms. You cannot stop it, but you can decide if you're going to be free or a slave. That's what you can decide. You can decide if you're going to learn how to sing in the storm, or you're going to cave in. Or you're going to just resent the fact that things aren't a certain way. You can decide, that, man, I will learn obedience through this. I will become more faithful, more hopeful, more loving. I worry at times about the cultural influence on me and on us. We don't embrace hardship the way we need to. We are just so addicted. I want it easy. I want it less. I want it whatever. And we just get angry when it's not. Man, embrace hardship. In this, in this fallen creation, it's not always going to be easy. I love a, 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 that film, A League of Their Own. And there's, there's so many parts in that film uh, that, that are a blast. But there's one I love where Tom Hanks, the coach, and you know it's about the Women's Baseball League, and he's the coach. And their star player tells him, I'm quitting. And he goes, you're quitting? Why? She says, it just got too hard. And I love how it does it. He steps forward to her. He goes, it's supposed to be hard. That's what makes it so great. 
living a godly life in a world that's not supposed to be hard. That's what makes it great. And the freedom you and I have been given, the picture of a free person, Jesus changing. Okay, the suffering, come on, I will learn obedience. It will not break me, I will sing in this storm. That same freedom. The son set Sheridan free, Sheridan's going to be free indeed. That's the freedom I have. I can change. I can adapt. I can grow. I don't have to sit there and just take it and not be the same person. I can learn and learn and learn and learn. That's the picture of a truly free person. You know what? There is not an oasis in a rainforest. Have you ever thought about that? You'll never find an oasis in a rainforest. True. You know why? By its very definition, an oasis is a place of life and flourishing in the midst of desolation. And yet we use that term oasis to describe so many things. Oh, I found an oasis. I found a... We're talking about something good. We're talking about something amazing. But what makes it so amazing is the surrounding desolation. It refuses to be a part. And we call it an oasis. Here's my challenge to all of us. Let's be free. Jesus came to set us free. Let's be the people that sing in a storm. It doesn't mean you won't cry. It doesn't mean you won't hurt. He's, he prayed with loud cries and tears. But what it does mean is we are committed. Lord, teach me to sing in the storm. Teach me to love in the midst of a lot of unloving situations. Teach me to be joyful when suffering is about to overcome me. Teach me to have faith when doubt wants to have its way. That's the great stuff. That's the true freedom. If you can be loving then, you're a loving person. If you can be hopeful then, you're a hopeful person. If you can be faithful then, you are truly a faithful person. The Son has set us free, so we are free indeed. Let's pray.